It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Tuesday, January 3rd. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Notre Dame with a 45-38 victory over South Carolina in Jacksonville. The Gator Bowl. Say it again, Tim. T-I-A-A Bankfield. For some reason, I said it twice. I don't know why I need to do that. I know. I I I got it out both times. I can't believe I didn't blow it uh, on film. But, uh, yeah, great win for Notre Dame. 45-38. It looked so improbable in the first half. Even when Notre Dame made a bit of a comeback. Uh, there was a moment in there where, oh, well, it was a second interception by Buckner that that it looked yeah. really grim for Nordame. But, hey, Nordame outplayed them down the stretch. El Golden outcoached their offensive decision makers in, in the second half. I mean, you know, South Carolina only had one touchdown over the last 47 minutes, offensive touchdown, that is. Tyler Buckner gets the MVP. I know he threw three interceptions with two pick sixes. But other than the offensive line, um, you know, Tyler Buckner was deserving of that. Tim, I where do where do you start? I'm trying I'm going all over the place, kind of like we did in the the post game uh, instant analysis. Where do you want to start today with this? Well, I think when you said Golden held him to one touchdown in the second half, it wasn't that wasn't all he did. It, it was a top tier Golden Clark Lee Elko, all the guys we've seen with the three and outs performance over these last six years. They. They played better defense in that second half statistically than I can remember. These are the drives. Three plays, five yards, punt. Three plays, minus five yards, punt. Three plays, minus five yards, punt. Five plays, 67 yards, and that leaping touchdown catch, which I thought was a nice catch. Whether he was in or not, it was a nice catch. Three plays, minus four yards, punt. Three plays, zero yards, punt. 100-yard interception return touchdown. And then the final drive where they got to the 23, but the defense pushed them back 26 more yards to make it fourth and 36. It's, I know that, you know, South Carolina was depleted. Notre Dame was depleted. But if you're just taking the game face value, that is tremendous second half defense. Cause in the first half, I thought Notre Dame looked slow to the ball and unsure of what was happening, which really means they found a way to adjust to this and, and, and and better handle what would the, what South Carolina was bringing in tempo. Yeah, and I kept yeah I kept referencing Nick Coleman as as the guy that was going to be handling the play calling. Ended up being a, a, a conglomeration, but Freddie Kitchens was was an offensive coordinator and a head coach of the, the the Cleveland Browns at one time, and so that's who they were really matching up against. And L. Golden and Notre Dame defense won that confrontation decisively. Um, you know, I thought. Man, I thought, especially when re-watching the game, because it's a blur for us many times from the press box and all the things. Well, especially this time. Yeah, especially this time. But, I mean, re-watching the game, Spencer Rattler was, he was just inaccurate for no good reason on yeah. many occasions in the second half. So they got a little bit of a boost there. But uh, th- this was the Notre Dame defense playing big time. Uh, and, of course, the offense with 28 points, four touchdowns in the second half. Tyler Buckner give the kid a ton of credit. I a kid hasn't played in 111 days and, and 
the pick six and the two pick sixes. And we'll talk about the hundred yarder because there's a lot of conversation, a lot of opinions about that, but the running threat, as we always knew the running threat to Tyler Buckner offers is significant. I thought Tommy Reese did a great job of calling his number at the Mm -hmm. opportune times to run the football. Uh, And then of course, down the stretch, the offensive line, you could, you could, they were manhandling South Carolina. You could see South Carolina was just getting worn out. Uh, Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, Estime especially, who I think is, is you know, maximizes just about every run that he has. One heck of a game, man. A, 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 game, a, a win that Marcus Freeman in this program needed desperately going into, maybe desperate's too, too strong of a word, but they really needed a victory going into the offseason heading into Marcus Freeman's second year. Yeah, I think if you book in this weird Stanford loss with two losses to start the year and two losses to end the year, it's got that, oh, that feels just like Brian Kelly starting out 2011 feel to it. That's exactly what they did in 2011. Two losses to start, bad loss, although to a very good USC team in the middle, two losses to finish. It's just not, that's not good for any coach going the offseason in his first year. Uh, as you said, nothing, not desperate, but this is a pretty big deal, I think, for Notre Dame fans to not see Freeman start eight and six with two bowl losses. I also think Buckner, the, I wrote about this, that Buckner's reaction in terms of his play to the interception touchdowns is the most kind of promising thing that happened to him because his other, his other ones, the Virginia Tech interception touchdown, he kind of came back and threw another pick, a bad pick. Jack Cohn rescued him. The Cincinnati interception that brought was it was brought back to the six. I keep saying it's a touchdown. It wasn't. But anytime you throw a pick on third down, it's brought to the six yard line. It's pretty much a pick six, right? We can agree on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he never got a chance to bounce back from that one. The Marshall pick six. He didn't get a very good chance to bounce back. They were driving. He got hurt. It was really good to see mentally Tyler Buckner lock in and help Notre Dame win a game that he was helping them lose. No matter what anybody says, I mean, five touchdowns is great. Two interception touchdowns, another interception on third down is bad. So he did a great job of bouncing back. And would we judge him the same way if he was a junior next year? Plays all 12, 13 games and plays like that? Probably not. But I don't, I, as I said before the podcast, to preview the game, I do not want to judge everything Tyler Buckner did. In a three and a half months off, the rust was there. They trusted him. He had a good game. And it takes me back to August when Tommy Reese said, we chose Buckner because we looked down on film during a practice and said, that's what I want this offense to look like. And I think what we saw was what they wanted the offense to look like. They never got the chance to have that. I thought Marcus Freeman did a great job of counseling Tyler Buckner after the 100 yard return. Uh, the, the, you know, and, and really throughout Marcus Freeman was pretty calm amidst a frantic game. The one time he wasn't was on the fake punt field goal, whatever you want to call that. I don't, we still haven't, we still haven't even figured out whether that's defense or special teams yet. Because it was such a it's such a great move by by Shane Beamer and uh, Pete Lembo and the the South Carolina staff. But remember when we were talking Tim about we uh, setting the over under on interceptions at two and a half, and I said, "Heck, you probably should make it three and a half between the two quarterbacks." And it ended up adding up to four. We certainly didn't expect the the two uh, pick sixes. But let's talk about the hundred yard return because I think we all had the exact same reaction. When it happened, why are you throwing the football down there? And I know people will still continue to cling to that. And I get it because you can't allow something like that to happen. When re-watching the game, uh, the TV version of it, I thought 
I mean, if you're going to blame Tommy Reese for anything, it should have been that Tyler Buckner was coached up enough to know that if it's not there, you got to throw it away. You got to throw it either. You either throw it to the back of the end zone to Mitchell Evans or right. you throw it in the fifth row. You can't try it. But I think what he saw, he he saw Evans open for a split second and reacted. And uh, <laughs> South Carolina reacted better. Yeah, I I. I would have run the ball as well, but look, okay, let's say you're Tommy Reese and you think to yourself, all right, these guys are desperate. They are bringing nine. They're crashing every alley to stop this run. That could make it second and six. That's not awesome from the goal. That's not terrible though. If you're going to run, if you're going to pass with Tyler Buckner, it, this is a know your personnel, know the moment moment for Tommy Reese. Fake handoff. Tyler Buckner sprints, right? He keeps it. He throws now it that, to one guy or he throws it away. That, that, no one in the world would say terrible call. Right. <laughs> if he rolls out and has a one option, but throwing it over the middle, I mean, you immediately thought of the Patriots that have, of course, nothing to do with it because this is Tyler Buckner in his third career start as opposed to an NFL football player. But I, I would have, I would have run because it's okay to have second and six or second and five. You can trust your line. Um, but I get it. I, I just don't get the, let's have Tyler Buckner read out this pass over the middle. And I mean, you just think back to even like the Weiss era with Clawson, he wouldn't let the guy throw over the middle for a year. He never threw the ball over the middle. It was all outside, and that's because dangerous things happen. It's yep. uh, You can blame Reese for that play for sure. And as I wrote in Monday Musings, he took away points number 51 and 52 from his offense. So maybe we should recall the whole game as opposed to that play. Yeah, and and also no one says, why'd you throw if Butner throws it over top to Evans and he, and he scores? You know, that is no, of course not. But another thing that's never second guess, a third and three quarterback sneak that is converted. Uh, yeah, you with, said that during the game. You're like, yeah. can you imagine if he didn't get that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we all we all reacted to the, the sneak like, oh, my God, what are they doing? And I'm sure they would have gone for it on fourth down. Or been right. Fourth it was a go for it on fourth down sneak. But yeah. those are those are just the kind of things that we don't when we second guess when they fail. And and again, I agree. I, you know, I agree. Hey, it failed. So it was a bad it was a bad call. And any coordinator, any head coach will agree with that at the end of the day you know, you, your player has to be coached up enough to make the right decision. And it's first and goal from the seven. And if it's not there, you get, you live for second down. Felt like unnecessary risk more than bad call. Even it's an unnecessary risk by Reese. It's not a plan. You're not thinking with the foresight there. No doubt about it. I, I, I totally get that. Uh, Tim, what else do you want to, uh, what, who, well, I thought the usage of the running backs was um, I didn't notice this during the game. It makes some sense because Michael Mayer wasn't playing, but they used Estime had a career high, which is season high, career high in snaps. Logan Diggs was one snap away from his season high and Chris Tyree had his highest since the first game. So they really I mean, they were relying on the running backs. At some point, we looked at each other and wondered near the end, why are they relying on Tyree? I just don't get that, man. I said it out loud, and then Tyree caught that swing pass to convert. And like, well, maybe they were setting that up. But, you know, you can hand it to Estime and bring in Tyree for a swing pass, too. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the use of the running backs and Mitchell Evans, 76 snaps at tight end. Obviously, his career high. Michael Mayer only had more than 76 snaps oh. one time this year. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a job by Mitchell Evans to play that whole game. A frantic game where people are cramping left and right. I mean, that... That was a breakout game for Mitchell Evans, I thought. He caught his first pass. It didn't seem like it because he's a good player. Caught his first pass of the season, and he catches the easy touchdown. Got a little mouthy. I can't imagine how happy Notre Dame fans would have been if that was South Carolina mouthing off in the game-winning touchdown like that. But that was, uh, I like Mitchell Evans, the player, 
I like him going into next year. He is a true junior. He played all last year and he played half of this year, but when I was making my like top 10 ish for next year. I, I went down to eight cause I wanted some people on subscribers to participate. I was like, try to guess who I eliminated. I had Mitchell Evans as my 10. Whoa. Going into next year. I, I don't see- mean this. I don't mean this year. Obviously I don't mean this year. No, I get it. But, yeah. I, but I got to see him do a little bit more in a passing game before. Yeah, I'm- no, I think he, I think he's gonna be a very good player, but I want to give kudos to Evans and Jaden Thomas, 73 snaps. They just, they trust him more than they trust the other receivers. Cause he blocks so well. No. And I really, he's got a little bit of swagger to him now, which yeah. I mean, he, he will be there. next season, uh, uh, really believing in his game. And, and, and speaking of that, that t- the game winning touchdown, I was standing um, on the Notre Dame sideline and, and Thomas clearly broke open. And maybe I said this in the Oh, no, process. I was, yeah, I was, I was watching. And I was like, throwing it's Thomas, like right Thomas here, in. right here, like right here. <laughs> but that's what, that was the whole point that Tommy Reese and the offense wanted everybody in the stadium to believe right here, right here. Yeah. You throw back, you throw back to Mitchell Evans. I asked post game about the play. I was like, Jaden Thomas was open. I asked Tyler Buckner. He's like, yeah, well, the play is no matter what right. I'm throwing to Evans or I'm throwing it away. Well, that's good coach. That's a good job by listening to your coach. Cause he did have a guy kind of open, but boy, you can miss those throws too. the kind of open guy while you're rolling. Right. And he's running away from you. This is, you're not going to miss Mitchell Evans. Yeah. The Notre Dame offensive line, uh, just absolutely tremendous. As you look ahead, they're going to have two, <laughs> two really good guys. I, Josh Lug is the most underrated he might have been the most underrated player on the entire team this year. This year, for sure. Yeah. Yes, this year. In sec- last three quarters of the year. After the from the from the uh from the North Carolina game on, I thought Josh Josh Lug was the most underrated offensive player on the team because uh, you know, there there were there was a call for him to be to be benched. And then I I don't remember not a smart anybody. call though. Not no, smart. not smart, not a smart call. Uh, I, I don't remember uh anybody saying, you know what? Josh Lug is really playing well here the second half of the season. USC game notwithstanding, as I wrote in Thursday Thoughts, yeah. that was the case with the entire offensive line in that game. Um, I thought he was really, really good, especially over the last, you know, half of the season, but I would even say three quarters of the season. It just all came together. And, um, you know, I mean, where would they have been if the offensive line hadn't gelled to the extent that it did? You know, and we'll go to segment two after this. Tim, rate rate in order the five offensive linemen this year performance. I know we differ on one and two, but we're going to save. We were going to save that for our story, Tim. But I'm going to go ahead and break the news here. Okay. I go Alt Patterson. Um, I still go Fisher, although he allowed a lot more pressure than the other guys. And then I say Lug Carell. Yeah, I would pick Patterson first because I thought, yeah. I, and I know that I know Joe Alt's an All American. He was great. I'm not. Well, Patterson it. could have been too if you really dissected everything, probably. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, There's no such thing as two All Americans from an eight and four team on the offensive line. They just don't. And, that, work and that's that way. fair. And I'm not trying to diminish anything Joe yeah. Alt did. He's he was he was great this year, and he will continue to do better. But I thought Jared Patterson, and we're talking about a guy that was injured, was hurt all season. He was hurt all season. Yeah. He oh, practice. yeah, he played hurt the whole year. He yeah, played he injured a little bit, and then he played hurt. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> couldn't, he couldn't. He couldn't practice. They didn't practice. He, his his practice reps. I don't know this for sure exactly how many, but I know that they were 
significantly diminished throughout the season so he could be ready to go on Saturdays. I feel like people might not have heard this because it, it was in late November, December. Patterson would put on a boot during the week to walk around to classes. That's how hurt he was all year. Like the protective boot you wear when you're not going to play or yeah. immobilized, he yeah. would go practice and he would put a boot on. Yeah. That's just, that's just finding a way to be out there for your team. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, and we've said this a thousand times, but I just have so much respect for the guy, you know, and two-time captain. And he took the whole two-time captain thing very seriously. Uh, despite the injuries, and I say that meaning that he he chose not to opt out, and again, not putting anybody down, but you have to compliment those that that, that choose to do that. I know a lot of people say it's stupid for him to, to play in the game. Well, it's not your team. It's not your teammates. It's not your career, so it's not for you to judge. Uh, I, I have a lot of I, I have a lot of respect for Jared Patterson, as everybody knows, because I've said it many times, and I would rate it Patterson Alt. And I would, go, I think I would go Lug third. I, it's a, it's a virtual tie for re, for me with Lug and Fisher, and then Corral. I mean Corral, you know, you have to pick Corral fifth if you're going to rate them. But the kid played really, really well. I was going to say the fifth this year play. is better than the third last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, really, I mean Lug. Right. He's much better than Lug was last year. He's much better than Kate no, Madden was last year. I mean, that, I, I'm not. I'm not sure how the kid did that other than he's coached by Harry Haystand. And I give a lot of credit, of course, to Zeke Corral, who really put it all together when it looked like, hey, you know, if you want to go ahead and move Patterson back to center and put Kristoffic at left guard, go ahead. What's the difference? I think I said that, <laughs> which is stupid in retrospect. It was a, it was a, it was a <laughs> And then finally, problem. we spent the whole season lamenting, or I did, Braden Lindsay being open. It was good to see Lindsay get his two oh, moments really, in this really game. Three happened. moments, a slant route, too. He had three really good plays in the game. Really happy for him. The post game, seeing him on climbing the wall, I, I I wrote it in my column. Him and JD Bertrand's family pulling him up over the the wall, and and Lindsey was kind of like, I mean, he was soaking it all in. Within how many hours after, uh, yeah, after he knew he was game, he, he he announced that he was he was moving on. Anyway, we're going to move on to segment two, burning up the boards coming up. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun here to share the Leprechaun's Game Day at Notre Dame, an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. Go Irish! Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question comes from message board Maven 98. Does Tyler Buckner's performance make Sam Hartman coming to Notre Dame more, less, or equally likely? Sam Hartman's coming to Notre Dame. I don't know exactly how to answer that question, but Sam Hartman, we expect Sam Hartman to be coming to Notre Dame. I know it's been, uh, it's been said that late in the week it will happen, uh, and it will. Um, what day is it this week? I cannot tell. It's Tuesday, right? 
it's Tuesday right okay, now. Okay, yeah, this is a rough, this is a rough stretch here post Christmas. Forty-eight to seventy-two on. hours, I would imagine. No, we expect now. Look, nothing's nothing's a hundred percent until Sam Hartman says it's a hundred percent, and Notre Dame does. But uh, we expect him to be in a Notre Dame uniform next year. And and uh, you know the the great thing, I mean Tyler Buckner, despite or in addition to playing in the Gator Bowl, preserved a year of eligibility. It was just his third game of the year. So he will go into next year with three years of eligibility. So if Sam Hartman's the starter next year, which we expect him to be, Buckner still has a uh, has a full college career ahead of him. I, I get the feeling Buckner will stay. Uh, he also knows Sam Hartman's one play away, just like Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. Drew Pine was one play away from playing, and he played all year. Became the quarterback of record for 2022 after losing the job. I get the feeling Buckner will stay. Uh, then you wonder. Then and he has another decision to make because he has two years left. You'll know about Minchie and Jelly more so than Carr because Carr's a freshman. Buckner's not getting scared away by C.J. Carr coming in. But if Notre Dame says, well, that graduate transfer thing has worked out really well two of these last three years, let's get the Sam Hartman equivalent compete and then Tyler Buckner's going to leave I mean at some point everybody leaves there's a you either grad transfer or you start or you transfer at Notre Dame they had a nice little string there of grad transfers because there was no transfer rule that was loosened up from 2010 to 2016 it was grad transfer grad transfer grad transfer grad transfer grad transfer and then all of a sudden it loosened and it was transferring Dracovic transferring Clark I don't know what you want to call Pine. He's a pseudo grad transfer, I guess, Pine, you know. Um, Buckner would probably be a, be a regular transfer, grad transfer. So this is not a modern thing. They all leave. Quarterbacks leave or they start. So at some point, he's going to have to start. Yeah, and and whereas, you know, Hartman or the the prospect of Nordame signing a, a transfer quarterback prompted Drew Pine to leave, I think the actual arrival of, of uh, Hartman and again, with with Buckner having three years of eligibility going into next year, he would theoretically be the starter in 24, 25 uh, with with Minchie and Carr. I, I, my point being that I think that if Angeli is so inclined that this this could precipitate something with him. We don't I don't I don't know that no, someone always know. leaves. They're not all going to be there in the next, right. year, the next year. Right. Someone leaves. Right. So, um, yeah, Sam Hartman. Uh, I, I know that a lot of people are going to say, did you see Michael Pratt beat USC? <laughs> It would have been better to have him, but Michael Pratt chose to stay at Tulane next year. And after, uh, after Caleb the, Williams lost to Tulane, I think it would have been fine having him too, but he's not in the transfer portal. So let's, let's not, yeah, let's so, not notch it on one game. You know, Sam Hartman, um, you know, the numbers I keep throwing out there, 13,000 yards are just shy of it. 110 passing touchdowns. Uh, throws, throws a lot of interceptions, thrown 41 interceptions. I, I think that there is, I, I think there are a couple things at play there. One in play there. One is uh, Wake Forest has a very much a downfield passing game, and I think that opens yourself up for for a few more interceptions. I, he throws. I think he's the. I've said this. The master of the back shoulder throw, uh, and I think sometimes when you throw a back shoulder throw and check, kind of leave it up there for your receiver to make a play. Sometimes the DB makes a play on it too. Like, like Benjamin Morrison. We'll go right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's a great example. Thanks for throwing that in. But uh, now, you know, is he the most accurate quarterback in the country? No. You know, I, I mean, he, he completed 59% of his passes. So I'm trying to come up with reasons as to, and having studied him on film, I 
trying to come up with reasons why it happens. I didn't think that he was particularly accurate uh, in the last game that he played for Wake Forest. I think whether it's Sam Hartman, and I think it will be, or Tyler Buckner if Hartman gets hurt, or they use Buckner as well to keep him happy, and it helps the offense. I am cool with two guys completing 60% of their passes if they're downfield throwers with Notre Dame's running game. Because I think you're okay with eight or nine or ten right. interceptions. And, if you're throwing... and you throw in the size of Notre Dame's receiving core, I think it could be a really, really nice I love that offense. combination. I'd really like the look of an offense that with this offensive line next year, Diggs, Estime, Price, maybe Tyree in the slot, you're hitting the ball down the field. I'll take that over any other form of offense with what Notre Dame has. Right. And the read option is still in play. That's not yeah. his expertise. That is Tyler Buckner's expertise. Um, not suggesting that there's a package there for Tyler Buckner next year, but there might be some, some moments where you pop him in there to, I, you know, I'm, I don't want to get into that, but the read option is still in play with Sam Hartman. And the bottom line is I think Sam Hartman's a winner. I think he's a leader. I think he's a Notre Dame type kid and quarterback. Uh, we'll find out more once we really get a chance to, to know him and provided that this of course all does come, come through. Uh, but we expect that to happen, and it'll be a, a, a pretty interesting and, and exciting time uh, with him at quarterback. Question from uh, – something else, Tim? Nope. nope. I'll say. Question from Indy Band 94 What do you feel Notre Dame has to work on in the spring to take this team to the next step under Marcus Freeman? I think they have to work on it in uh, January and throughout the spring, and it's the transfer portal for defensive linemen and safety. You're taking the words right out of my mouth, man. Yeah, linebackers, I love the mixture of old and young. I hope they make it a mixture. And cornerback, I mean, if you're not moving Clarence Lewis to safety, which I get it. You and I said this in 2020, he could play safety. But he's also be pretty fun to have him as your third or fourth, but third best cornerback. We'd be fourth best cornerback, hopefully next year. That's a great thing. That's That's what real playoff contenders do. They have guys like Clarence Lewis being your third and fourth corner. I don't think he cures things as much as the safety does in the portal. Um, so corner, I, my, that's a long-winded way of saying I like the corners if no one moves, especially with Gray coming in. And the whole offense would be luxury ads, right? Position. Tran- and the transfer guard. portal, anyone, offensive guard would be a good one because then you're not playing redshirt freshman Schroth full-time who could be better than anybody you bring in i was just gonna say are you sure about yeah. that because well, he might be i tell you what how about he beats out a guy then i then i'm even more sure bring in someone and let's see if he beats him out yeah no i am i mean we need to take a in fact one there was a question posed and i i skipped it because i knew we were going to talk about this i'm extremely concerned about the defensive line going into next year and and to a large degree safety as well um who are your pass rushers you know, who does Justin Adamalola return? We don't know that for sure. No, we don't. And it's not as cut and dry as I used to think it was really. It's not, it's not, um, you know, who are your guys? Uh, Nano Safa Mensa, good player. I think the strong side is going to be fine as a non-pass rushing aspect of the team. You're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's Patello who showed. That was, yeah, they really. He Jordan, had a heck of a day. Jordan, but he did. And Jordan Botello, it's it's time, dude. You need to yeah. you need to fully mature physically and mentally. I thought he looked bigger in this game. I wonder if he grew a little bit, you know, over the course of December, but he but he played really, really well. And they need him to be a consistent presence week after week after week. 
He flashed a little bit of it against South Carolina and he's flashed other times too, but the, the flash part has to go away now. It's got to yeah. be, he's got to be a consistent football player for them. I, you know, they need size in the middle of the, the, a defensive yeah. tackle. Can Tyson Ford, can you get something out of him right away? What do you do? We do have a question. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and walk on it right now from Indy one Cubs one. I'm with you there. Indy one Cubs one fan fan wise, uh, Robbie Mills inside or outside. You probably, it's probably got to be inside because you don't have enough size in there. Can Tyson Ford be part of that? You would hope Tyson it's Ford Anya can be part yeah. of that. See, I think Ford would have the much higher, obviously higher upside than Anya. Anya's got that extra year, year and a half in the strength system. So the two of them, can they be part of it? Riley Mills almost has to play inside unless you, you need to put that full court press on Justin Adamiola. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't understand how him coming back would not benefit your team. He has to come. He has to help the team. He's a star. People think he's a Viper, but he is a starting strong side defensive end. The last half of the year, they moved Mills away from really, he's really more big end than Viper. He is. He just, that's the type of, and especially as a sixth year, 23 year old, he's going to be strong as an ox playing experience. You need him there. It allows other people to be better. Even if you say he's not great, he's only good. He allows people to be better. He allows Mills to move around. He allows Osafa Mensa to be a backup where he will thrive as a backup. No, you're absolutely right. Howard Cross, of course, is a mainstay in there. And he was really good this year. I mean, a really, really quality season. But he's not that big. You can use a big guy next to him. That's why losing losing, uh, Braden Fisk to Florida really hurt. That's a 6'5", 300-pound guy that can play inside or outside. Um, they have good players that are too young. Like we were talking about Viper, Gobira someday. Um, blanking on it, uh, Burnham someday. But they're you're 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 not a playoff team when you say, well, Gobira is obviously going to be ready to help me in the play. I mean, they didn't play at all this year. They're not totally ready to help you in the off season. And then Sneed is a, I think, a good pass rusher, but he's not going to be a Viper. He's just not. I don't think that's his position in life. He's I want him moving around, although no, he did mention he'd rather... I mean, over time. I don't know that he's going to be big enough by next year to do that. But over time, I think that's a I think that's a pretty natural fit. Don't you? I mean, he did I, say he doesn't love the rover trying to cover slot receivers, which I don't blame no, him great, because no one great. does. <laughs> you know, losing Jacob Lacey hurts again, an undersized guy. But losing Jacob Lacey, who would have walked into the starting lineup next year, I believe, uh, does. I mean, I'm, I'm, I probably wouldn't have said this guy's name except for what Howard Cross said about Donovan Heinish. Is it too early for him? He's a Heinish man. I love the fact that he's Kurt's brother. But you want 12 snaps, not 40. No, true, true. I, I, I think it is extremely concerning what Nordame has coming back. You know, we're not now. Look, we haven't thrown out any of the names of the freshmen, but. You know, are they going to be big enough and strong enough and tell enough and, and well-schooled enough to, I just think there are a ton of question marks, um, including, I'm going to throw in another question here, Tim, from MMB4. Did Aiden Kanana get some reps in the Gator Bowl? Don't recall seeing his jersey number. He is a big defensive lineman, nor name needs in the future. We do not know that he's going to be on the roster next year. No, he did not get snaps. Uh, he did get snaps against BC, um, which is, I still think is a miracle that he came back from April ACL surgery at 295 pounds. 
But not only did he get snaps, he made tackles in his like eight snaps, four tackles, eight snaps, three tackles. He was clearly healthy enough. Um, we asked about Aiden K and I, um, or another, actually another outlet did day one down there. And Al Golden kind of mentioned, yeah, he's in good spirits. You know, he said it was really cold in Colorado, but there was nothing else said. And like Justin Adamiola, you need to get Aiden. You need Aiden K and I, in your roster. I don't, I don't understand how you can I don't him think. I don't think Nordame is as high on him as we are. No, but I don't get it because you're not you're not picking and choosing right now. I agree. I agree. Gabe Rubio, we have to mention him. I thought he made good progress this year. He'll have to go to another level. He gives you excellent size in there. That's the kind of size. Wouldn't you love to see those two together? Not playing together, but those two in tandem? Yeah. That's yeah. Per- that's perfect going into next year. Yeah. I they got a lot of question marks on that defensive line. We didn't mention Aaronsberger. I don't know that he's made the kind of progress that they see him as a, you know, he probably has to, I know that they were trying to get him snaps at the big end position early on. And then they just kind of scrapped that for whatever reason. I don't know, but there's a significant concern for, for us with regard to the defensive line. Uh, and I've just eaten up the next two questions there. That's all right. That's all related. <laughs> we will move and 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 safety too. I mean, to answer the question, safety. Um they they need they need help there. I mean, DJ Brown presumably is gone. Houston Griffith gone. Um he's out of eligibility. He's he gone. is yeah. out, of, out of eligibility. Let, let's move on to the next question. Drew 2000. Who do you think starts at safety and nickel next year for the Irish? I think Watts and a portal guy and Henderson are a three safety rotation next year. Um, remember everybody, they like Henderson as a big nickel at times. So they don't necessarily want to play him at safety the whole time. Uh, and now next year without Tariq Bracey, you're going to have to have a duo in the nickel do you think it's Lewis and Henderson or does Mickey get the full conversion? You know, the key here is heart coming back, which may give you flexibility with Lewis to safety, but now you're asking Lewis to play a position he hasn't played since he got there and you you expect him to play it at a high level. Uh, I think I go two portal safeties. Yeah. I mean, I I, could bring a guy as a reserve that would love to play for Notre Dame. Okay. I think they need, I think they need three transfer defensive linemen. And, and at safety, they need – how many did you say? Two. They I think you're two. okay with two. Uh, I mean, this is a – I think this is a really acute problem for them right now. Um, they played five safeties all year, so if you bring in two, you're okay. You'd be playing four, but you'd be able to rotate it. I mean, Schuler could get some reps that – man, that's – I guess safety's hard to learn, though, as they've proven. Um, but Schuler's a pretty natural safety, too. It's not like Xavier Watts learning a whole different side of football scrimmage. So I think if Schuler's your fifth, you're okay. Uh, you do need two, though. Yeah, you need two. And uh, those are, you know, up front and on the back end, those are issues. Mickey – I expect Mickey to take a – yeah, I just don't know where. I don't know if he's going to be nickel or no, corner. He's got to be better than he than he was. He was thrown into the fire. He's a confident kid that uh, couldn't always back it up this year, but I think the time will come when he will be be able to do that. And you know, again, numbers back there. Philip Riley is he going to stay on the roster? Uh, it wouldn't seem Barnes like. Right. No, Riley didn't travel. Roster? He's the most likely guy. Not he didn't travel to the bowl game. Yeah, I. It's uh, gear, man. 
there there are a lot of issues defensively that uh, I will bring up again when we get to the last question that I'm going to pose here today. But uh, go ahead, Tim. Next from 618 Irish. I felt Audric Estime was the second best offensive weapon behind Mayer. The coaching staff didn't use him that way. His ability to get consistent positive yards to keep the team in good down and distance and to take the legs out of an opposing defense distinguish him. Do you see him being used as a number one back in 2023? I think Logan Diggs had six more. It was single digit carries more than than Estime did. Uh, you were sitting next to me during the game, uh, the Gator Bowl, Tim, and I wanted Estime in the game. I, yeah. I, you know, look, I like you got to love what Logan Diggs this year did this year. And they're a great one, two punch. I thought he chose the out, outside route a couple times in the Gator bowl that he shouldn't have. And here's the, this is the thing about Estime. I said in Thursday thoughts, you know, you don't think of him as a guy that can bounce it outside, but when he does, there's room. Yeah. There's room. So he is, he's got good vision and a good decision maker. Logan Diggs will bounce it outside and there isn't always room because he doesn't see it quite the way estimate does. So I think this is a good question because I, I feel the same way. The The bottom line is you need a tandem. Yeah. You need, I, I mean, Logan Diggs is a really, really quality college running back. If you make me choose, touches too. if you make me choose, I agree with you and the question. From six six one eight Irish, uh, but it's one A and one B for me. It and is. The, the best weapon behind Michael Mayer was the fact that there was two of them. The two running backs were the best weapon. The two of them are the best weapon. Yeah, that's what you need. Like yeah. it, they are together, they're better than alone. Audric Estime would not benefit the <laughs> offense with sixty more carries at the expense of Logan Diggs. Logan Diggs definitely not. At a third and two, he turned into a touchdown and he caught a 75 yard swing pass for a touchdown. And we're lamenting and Audric Estime played more snaps than him. He played his season high with 40, which is second highest for any running back all year. And we're lamenting the usage of Diggs, who had the two two of the three biggest touchdowns of the game. He's just as good, and Estime is a cooler runner to watch. I get it. It's more fun when Audric Estime churns out four straight eight-yard carries and 13-yard carries because he looks like he's going to kill someone. So that's that's fun. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a this is a tandem all the way. They're both quality college running backs. I don't want to diminish Logan Diggs in any way. They need both of these guys. And this question, albeit a good one, is the least of Nordame's problems. Yes, that is a great point. And I want to say one thing, uh, whether this points to the question or points to how good Diggs is, the only guy on the team that played a lot not to convert a third down was Audrey Gustave. Everybody else did. So they like Diggs on third Wait, down. Wait, what? So like, Braden Lindsay got a third down catch. Jaden Thomas got two third down catches. Mitchell Evans got a third down oh. touchdown. Logan Diggs had two third down rushes. Tyler Buckner ran for a couple third downs. All the guys in the Gator Bowl estimate had a really good day. They didn't even go to him once on third down. They have plenty of options. This is not a problem. I agree with you that estimate is cooler, 618 Irish, but that's about it. Speaking of which, addressing Thursday thoughts, the 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 on the 44-yard touchdown to, to Braden Lindsay yeah. when there were three, besides Tyler Buckner, there were three guys in the backfield when the ball was snapped. Play action to estimate will freeze a safety in that situation every time. And, uh, and that worry was, a safety too. Yes, and that, was, the ball. And that, that was part of how Braden Lindsay crossed the field and was wide open. Question from Irish fan 151. Which young player, excluding Tyler Butner, impressed you the most in the Gator Bowl? Collie, Evan, Sneed, et cetera. 
There's a second part to the question. I'll ask that after we answer this one. Well, definitely Evans and then Snead. Um, I don't remember Kali playing much after the uh, initial throwback on his side. He played 13 snaps. I, I would have to guess that 11 of those were in the first half, right? 10, 10 of those were in the first half. Right. Um, Snead, I watched a lot. And uh, as he flew across the field to hit Rattler, I thought, oh, my God, look how fast he is. Don't, 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 don't. Uh, it's a penalty. He's going to learn his way out of that. I watched him when he got the penalty for being laid on top of. The only bad thing there is I don't mind him for fighting right there, although you shouldn't, only up seven. I have a problem that he was laid on top of because that was his rush lane and he got smothered to the ground, although he got chipped by running back too. So good effort by Sneed in his first extended action that wasn't Navy. I expect Jalen Sneed to play next year in Congress with somebody in some way. He's, yeah, he, he's he will, a player. He will play a lot. I, you know, I mean, I, the, the young players were, I mean, Coles is a young player. He didn't do a ton in the, in the bowl game, but he really came on strong in the second half. Uh, ben Morrison qualifies as a young player, but I'm sure that's <laughs> not, not anymore. He doesn't. About, yeah. <laughs> that's not who the, the question is addressed to. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's anybody else. To I add. talked to Kyle in the airport briefly about the uh, fake punt. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was sitting next to him waiting for across from waiting for the planes to go. He and Diggs, And uh, I was like, I got to tell you, man, that was, that was one of the, better timed fake punts I've ever seen. And he just goes, Mace knows his stuff, man. That guy knows everything. It's like, we agree on that. Mace knows his stuff. You know, the interesting thing about, I'm glad you brought that up because the interesting thing about the fake punt was, you know, Lindsay motions. Well, that, that tips him off, right? Yeah. So you, you've got to get it snapped and you've got to get into what you want to do real quickly because Lindsay's motioning and they have to know something's up. Right. Oh, yeah. Lined yeah. up in a punt. And, uh, you know, they threw something at, at South Carolina that, um, they weren't ready for the same way South Carolina did with their, with their punter. <laughs> I mentioned that play. Everybody, yeah, play. He just yeah, I mean, everybody just... knew, everybody knew that their punter threw passes. He was three for three with a 48 yarder. That was their only score against Florida was his, his touchdown pass late in the game. I don't want to put words in Kali's mouth. So I don't think he said anything, but his expression, I kind of made a joke. I was like, and they had a pretty nice one too. And he just gave me this look like, holy cow. <laughs> what, you know, I mean, that was an amazing, that was a beautiful play for a touchdown. It was just, we didn't, we, didn't, we still don't know what the hell was happening because we didn't see I was it. writing something down. The balls in the air is a touchdown. Right, like, we didn't see it hell? live. And then TV missed the replay. So I'm, I'm never going to know exactly unless I get it. I need to, we need to talk to Brian Mason about what exactly happened there. Cause I yeah, we're not yeah. going to know otherwise. Uh, second part of the question is from Irish fan one fifty one. Can the yips be coached out of Lorenzo styles? I think it's coaching the focus back into Lorenzo styles. And we were told in November, Lorenzo ended November, early December, Lorenzo styles is going to stay. So I have no reason to think that's not true. I also think a lot of guys that are good, that play a lot that are leaving would announce pretty quickly. It's the guys that are lower roster that don't announce right away. But I think you need to coach the focus into Lorenzo styles off the field, on the practice field and everything else. Um, and then I know I talked to you and a couple other analysts. They don't like his hands. So I don't know if it's the yips or the hands aren't there. Well, the hands were there last year. Weren't they? I mean, I think, look, between now and the start of the season, yes, you can absolutely get the kid's confidence back, but he couldn't get it back in the course of the season. And you'd hope that that it would have happened in the Gator Bowl with five weeks 
I guess hands and confidence and focus are part of hands, right? Their concentration drops. So are they yips or are they, do you need to concentrate? Look, we watched, we saw that practice video that another site had and showed us. It took two clips, three clips. It was going up and high pointing a ball. Every Notre Dame receiver high points the ball and the ball bounces right out of his hands. It's, it's not that he can't catch a ball. I'm not saying that it, you have to focus. You have to have to be a focused player. Yeah. You, you think do. he was a focused player focus. this year? No, he wasn't even close. I mean, focus and confidence, they kind of blend yeah. together. Right. But right. Yeah. yeah. He's got, I, you know, he probably doesn't have huge hands. He's not, he's not a real big guy. So that hurts you. Like, you know, I mean, they, there's a reason why at the combine, they measure your hands for quarterbacks and receivers and to Lorenzo styles, improvement point. Deion Colsey all off season beginning last January through October was very low on our list and not very high on some of the coaches lists. And now yeah. Deion Colsey is in very good standing. So that's what Lorenzo styles can do. Right. Yeah. He can come back. They absolutely they need him to, I mean, he can rebound, right? They need him to rebound. You're going to have going to have a big receiving core next year and you need the versatility that he provides you. But remember we said we didn't, like you, you made the comment in the Ohio State game, man. You were surprised he didn't score on that first, yes, first pass. He just didn't seem to have the burst either. I want everybody to go look at the first play of the season right now. If you have a DVR, or any, well, it's no, it's on every highlight video Notre Dame has out there on YouTube. The first play of the season, Tyler Buckner makes a great throw, by the way, gets hit in the face. They don't call it, uh, and it's an almost an interception for touchdown. <laughs> However, it is which would have been oh, another boy. one. Lorenzo Styles just did not. I mean, he got fifty-four yards and. He got the minimum number of yards you could get on that play. That's how I looked at that play. I was shocked because I was so high on Styles. I thought he would be sudden in the open field. Think of other guys that have been at – like, what would Will Fuller do with that ball? He'd have cut across the field and nobody would have breathed on him the entire time. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's – I think he can be a better player. Yeah. All right, you kind of touched upon Jalen Sneed, Tim, but Dallas Irish 83 asks, Jalen Sneed played a significant amount in the Gator Bowl. He was tagged for two different personal fouls during the game. Is this a sign of a young, high-potential player with great enthusiasm, the sign of an undisciplined player who has a lot of work to do before becoming a consistent contributor? I think way more the former is also the sign of a enthusiastic young player being thrown into his first major game other than Navy, where he went home for Christmas and his sister's wearing South Carolina gear as a South Carolina student, and he's from South Carolina, and he could not have been more fired up to do anything then win that game and hit people as hard as possible. <laughs> you, if you played, if you would have played Jalen Sneed, not that you can prepare for this, if you played Jalen Sneed 10 snaps every game, he would not have had either one of those personal fouls. He just would have been totally calm playing football. I don't blame him. The first one, it was just like, oh, here comes the penalty. He was running so fast. You knew he was going to hit Spencer Rattler late. It was just the most obvious thing. The second one is obviously frustration for being late on top of. Yeah. I, I totally agree, Tim. I think when you're when you are a highly touted, great young player like that, and you know you have an opportunity, the initial instinct is to do too much. To prove, I'm going to prove to everybody yeah. how good I am and how much I belong out here, and they should have had me out here earlier. And there's a tendency to do too much. I don't have any evidence or indication that he's an undisciplined football player. He's just trying to make a play in a big game, you know, in a big opportunity. And, you know, as a coach, like having, you know, you, you, on one hand, you want to say, Hey, you know, I want you to be aggressive, but you know, you, you need to pull up when don't, don't do anything. So it's yeah. hard to say it's that. Hard you know to, what I mean? It's hard. I mean, it's, it's hard to coach like that, but that is, 
the message that you would like to teach a young athletic eager play that yeah man go i want you going 100 miles an hour but be smart that's a hard message to right. communicate to a, a freshman athlete like that next from wash nd not mentioning any specific coaches but will the current staff be intact by the time spring ball starts i don't have any indication it will be different at this i point. always assume one person leaves so i'm just going to stick with it because i said that three weeks ago but i don't have any indication it'll be different you know, you <laughs> i just go with me? math i go with math math Okay. So you trust the science. You trust I, the math. I trust the math to average out for me if I make this prediction every year for the rest of my life that I will only be an idiot once. Yeah. I don't, uh, you know, I mean, we, we, we talked about Tommy Reese early in the year and that, you know, some offer from the NFL or whatever could come up. I would now be really surprised if Reese I would be, I would, I too yeah. would be surprised at that at this point. Um, you know, D, we know Dylan McCullough is, is, his star is, is shining again. An opportunity in the NFL, I think, it is always enticing to him. Um, Don't speak this into existence, but one coach won a position coach of the year award just recently from a certain website. I do not want to talk about that because I cannot imagine watching the third phase of this game without that person coordinating it. So wow. we will not say his name, but he is coveted. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he would leave for another college. but I don't I, either, I, but. That's why I just say math. I'm throwing 0.5. I take the over. You take the under. You're probably right. The thing I count on there is the relationship between between him and Marcus Freeman. And I, right. and I think that that's, that's pretty good. Um, Washington D said not mentioning any specific coaches. And so I'm not going to mention any more. And we'll move on to the next question from Pin and Poll. One season in, how has covering Nordic football and media access changed under Marcus Freeman? exponentially more access to players welcome to access to coordinators every week we get players that are not the captains and playing all the time which is incredible we got angelia a couple times we got steve angelia a couple times that's fantastic <laughs> that's amazing we got jalen sneed a few oh, this is yeah it's great the interviews are great uh we were told that possibly the shutdown of practice access watching the good parts has something to do with ohio state I wonder if that has anything to do with Ohio State. They don't seem like they want to show us a lot of practice that matters. Uh, very true. Very true. Uh, night and day. I mean, to answer the question, absolutely night and day. Players, the the access to the coordinators is is incredible. Well, it's invaluable too. Like, yeah, I mean, it's well, players is refresh. Like, players is refreshing. We're super happy. Like, oh my gosh, they're sending an Angeli Alton Sneed. This is incredible. It's not just Patterson. coordinators. Yeah, the yeah. coordinators answer the questions that yes, we the have. Coordinators, you have to have the the institute the uh, the feature. So they say that was introduced. Could do that. Was, was strictly based upon the fact that all of a sudden we had all these quotes, and rather rather than trying to do features on everybody, which kind of you know, blends into the woodwork. So that's they like say, a spring thing features on the players as opposed to yeah. a season thing. I mean, so they say gave us an opportunity to make sure that everybody knew the most pertinent things that these players were saying. What, when I first sprung that Tim, the idea was I want quotes of this player talking about this coach or this player talking about this teammate or this coach yeah. talking about this player. Uh, and, and we, we, I mean, if you use everything, it would be voluminous, you know, every week and it would be a little bit, it'd be a little much even for us to to stay up with the, the pace of it. But 
yeah, night and day. It's it's great. It'll be great to see a lot more pertinent practice time. Oh, you, let me put it this way. I understand if Marcus Freeman doesn't want to show us a single practice after August 12th. When you're working on all the stuff that's training camp related, just give us two full practices to watch them hit each other. And then shut it down. I wouldn't, as a that's coach, the, I would never let people in. Yeah, when I was game I mean, like some of those Screaming. short practice, some of those short practice access things are a bigger headache for O'Malley and I trying to come up with things to say about it because it's not, it's, it's a non competitive part of practice. It's, it's getting loose and doing some of the basics and it really doesn't, it really doesn't give us a whole uh, lot of advantage, but I do want to say this, please. When, when we're talking about quarterbacks accuracy in August next year, please recognize who was right in, in that analysis and who was not. Well, That's you didn't all. make anything up. That was part of being right. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a simple observation as to what was actually, yeah, we all wanted Tyler Buckner to be extremely accurate, but he's not at this stage. And he wasn't in August. And that was the accurate portrayal. That's a little uh, patting ourselves on the back, but I'm sorry. It was, I, I know we caught a lot of flack for, well, the other sites are saying, we're Irish Illustrated, right? Yeah, I, I, if I did not, if Tyler Buckner threw passes that I thought were competitive, I would have reported on them last yeah. last August. I, I, that that sounds like a brag, but I, that's just how we feel that we we look. We've been doing this job for. Hey, we were wrong on some time. things too. I will, I will throw and it in I, there. I, I thought Chris to, Tyree was going to have a really good year. And every August. time I'm wrong, every time I'm wrong, I want to admit it to everybody. Because yeah, that's I, I thought I, Tyree that's looked like a different player, and he did. He looked worse. Our job out. is <laughs> our job is to point things out, and when we're right, yeah, sometimes we're going to say, "Hey, we said this," but we're also going to say when we're wrong, and I'm never going to stop saying when we're wrong because that's what that's our that's our job too. I believe that's our job too. All right, last question, long question, and it's from Play Like a Champ. I can save you an off season of work and tell you why Notre Dame will be in the college football playoff next year. The last time Notre Dame started 0-2 was 2011. They finished the regular season 8-4, went to a bowl game in Florida, had a head coach in his second year in the program, started the following season in Ireland against Navy, and everyone was hoping a new quarterback would start in Ireland, but the other guy would still help all season. Coincidence? Absolutely. But yes, I, I do like the uh, I do like this analogy. I, I thought of the 0 and 2. We brought, I think we brought up this podcast. 0 and 2 start, 0 and 2 finished in 2011. Uh, does this mean a backup quarterback has to get arrested going into the Ireland game and get suspended? Because I hope not. If everything's gonna be the same, and which running back? That's that's unfortunate for one of those guys. Stay away from parties, I guess. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun, huh? Another thing about that 2011 game: Notre Dame played for the title the next year, and Florida State, their opponent, won the title two years later. So. The Irish are going to lose to Alabama, I guess, in the championship game next year. And South Carolina is somehow going to win it all. In the Notre Dame would have to, Notre Dame will have to do a significant job in the portal. Right. Along the defensive line in the secondary and, and, or get tremendous production from a freshman class in the key areas. And um, some of the young guys that we talked about in an earlier question, will have to take a great step up. Lorenzo Styles has to take a great step up. I don't see a national title awaiting us in, in 2023, but, but there is a long way to go between now and then. 
I wholeheartedly agree with you. I want to say one thing for people that want to see a national title. Notre Dame will not lose a better player to transfer than they did last in 2012 before they went all the way 12 and 0 because they lost Aaron Lynch in the spring and still had the best defensive line they've ever had since the 80s. No, we don't expect them to lose a player of that that no. caliber. No, not at all. Uh, we will be back. I believe we are planning on next Monday. Get back to our Monday routine. Oh, preview of the championship game will be involved too, right? We can talk about Georgia oh, and TCU. Tremendous. Yeah, yeah, tremendous. And um, and we also anticipate um, talking about a, a new quarterback in the program as well. Um, we will wait. We'll, we expect that to happen late in the week, but we will wait till uh, Monday about that. If that does happen, you can count on uh, Irish Illustrated covering thoroughly, covering that uh, that information thoroughly on, on our website, irishillustrated.com. Thanks for joining us. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. In 1916, Irish rebel forces have taken up position on the north side of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Park. They exchange fire with the British to the south. Suddenly, a man enters the park with a brown bag above his head. Both sides cease fire. The park's groundskeeper has come to feed the ducks. For the next six days, there is a daily ceasefire so the ducks can be fed. Learn more when you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours.